All right, what's up everybody? Welcome to Access. So excited that you're here with us tonight. The Access community exists to equip and mobilize young adults in identity, evangelism, community, and the scriptures. We are a group of Jesus people. We love his person. We love his presence. Come on, was anybody getting ministered to in worship? Come on. Oh, Jesus. We love the presence of God. He's so, so good. He's so, so good. Man, I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. Tonight's gonna be a super, super fun night. Um, and we're just gonna get into it. Let me pray and then we'll hop right in. Jesus, we love you so much. Yes, Lord, we love you. Hmm. Lord, the whole reason why we're gathered today <laughs> on a Thursday night, Lord, the whole reason why we're gathered is for you. Lord, the only attraction, Lord, the only thing that keeps us coming back is your presence, Lord. That's the only thing. We love you, Father. We'd be nothing without you. And God, I just pray, Father God, that this message, Lord God, that you, Holy Spirit, would use these words, Lord God, to change and impact people for your kingdom, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be soft to repentance, Lord, and soft to the move of the Spirit that you are doing already in this room. God, we love you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Come on. So good. Tonight, I'm super, super excited. We're doing kind of like a standalone message tonight. So this is the first Access in December. And if you know, the Access community is a part of the larger Res Life Church community or the young adults community of Resurrection Life Church. In December at, in Res Life Church is a month given to what we call Heart for the Kingdom. Everyone say Heart for the Kingdom. And so we at Res Life Church, we have this heart for the kingdom. What does that mean? It means that we have a passion and desire to see God move in this building, but also outside of this building. And we want to see God's move, God's hand in this place so tangibly, we really do. But we want to see God's hand move in places around the world. And we believe as a Res Life Church community that God has positioned us here in, in Wyoming, Michigan to affect the world for him and his kingdom. And so tonight I'm gonna give a message about how we can engage in an initiative that's going to affect the entire world. And we're gonna hear some testimonies from our church as a whole of how we are already participating in things that are changing the landscape of this world, okay? So, we are in this heart for the kingdom season. And you might be asking, so the heart for the kingdom initiative, how do we affect, how can I have a tangible impact? How can I carry my life outside of my circle of influence and, and, and to affect the entire world? I'm gonna give you the answer, okay? The answer, a answer, how your life can affect the entire world for God in his kingdom. It's actually through generous giving. God can use your life, he can use the money in your bank account to literally change lives around the world for him and for his kingdom. And so tonight we're gonna to get to talk about this topic of biblical generosity. And then we're gonna hear some testimonies. And then this month, actually Access is engaging in a giving initiative throughout the month of December, where we're gonna be pushing, allocating a lot of our resources and funds and taking donations toward a specific end. And I'm super excited to give to that. So why should we participate in 
generous giving. Like, why should we, right? And how does this relate to our identity in Christ? One, like we kind of mentioned, there's this, there's this verse, it's actually in 1 John, but it says that, it says, I believe it's 1 John 4, verse 17, but it says, as God is, so also are we in this world. So as God is, so are we in this world. And so this, this gives us a little bit of a window into our identity in Christ. So who is God? If the whole Bible could be boiled down to the most simple grammatical sentence ever, right? The most simple grammatical sentence. You know, I took grammar in fifth grade. It was actually my favorite class, <laughs> but it was actually only my favorite class because it was everybody else's least favorite class. And I just, you know, I kind of like to, you know, push against the current a little bit. That's just kind of my personality, you know? And so everyone was like, hey, it's time for grammar. Everyone's like, boo. And I was like, yeah, high five. And nobody, but... In the most simple sentence that you can have in the English language is actually a subject and a verb paired together, right? And we, like, it's like, Jared jumped. That's a pretty frequent sentence that happens, but. Or he leapt, you know, like anything like that, right? Whatever, it's a subject and a verb. So if we were to boil down the entire Bible into a subject and a verb, how could we summarize the entire Bible? This is what I believe the entire Bible could be summarized in these two words, God gave God gave. God gave us life at the beginning. God gave us a way to pursue him throughout the law. God gave his one and only son for redemption. God gave. God is a giver. That's, that's just who he is. That's his personality. He is a giver. And we see, I mean, around this Christmas season, one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God's, he's not only just a giver, but we see in this verse, the reason why he's a giver. It's actually his love. Like the love that God has for humanity, love that God has for this created order in the world, it just wells up inside him. And literally it's almost like, I, I just can't help myself. I got to like, I have to give toward this end, right? And so also just as love compelled God to give the thing that was most precious to him, so also love compels us to give to things that are most precious to God. In Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These, this verse, I believe, shows the proper order that we come to God in. We come to God first to love him. First to give him praise, honor, glory, and adoration. And here's the beautiful thing is the more we give our love to God, the more that he lavishes his love on us. You know, like I, I wake up in the morning, I crack open my Bible. I'm like, sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, this is really early. I'm like half falling asleep, you know? But sometimes I still I do it out of obedience and devotion. I open my Bible and I go, God, I'm doing this because I love you. But when I read this Bible, all of a sudden, God speaks his love right back to me. 
And it's just, it's this beautiful relationship, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? So we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We come to him, we receive his love. And then from that place of love that we have, that connection that we have with Jesus, comes the second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We get filled up with God. We get filled up with his love. And then we pour out that love to the rest of our community and to the people around us. You know, so in this verse, it says that we are to love God with all of our heart. So this maybe begs a question, how do we know that we're loving God with all of our heart? Or what does it really mean to love God with all of our heart? What does it mean to love God with all our heart? I believe one of the ways that we can tell where our heart's affection is is by where we are giving to or where our money is actually going. In uh, Matthew 6, verse 21, we see a window or a reasoning for that statement. Matthew 6, verse 21, it says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So in layman's terms today, basically what this verse is saying is, show me your bank statements and I'll show you where your heart is at. If I were to pull up my bank statements right now, like I think I would see a lot of restaurants up there. (laughs) I think my heart's in McDonald's a little bit, you know, like Chipotle, Herb Fire. Oh, bless God for Herb Fire. (laughs) Wild roast. But here's the question for all of us. And this is gonna get, man, we're gonna feel the conviction of the Lord, but the conviction of the Lord is so good because it's actually drawing us into a closer and more real relationship with him, right? The way I like to describe the conviction of God is as if like I'm wearing this backpack full of heavier rocks, but I've been carrying it for so long that I've just been getting used to it. And it's actually become like so comfortable and kind of like form fitting. Anybody, anybody have like this, like an old ratted out backpack that you're like, man, this, I should throw this thing away, but yeah, um, but it's just like, it's so good. It's got so much history in it. You know, it's like all like, you know, all this stuff and stuff, but it's like, God's pointing out. He's saying, Hey, the way that I'm inviting you into is actually the way of rest. He says, come take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. And so the conviction of the Lord is basically God saying, Hey, you're carrying a burden that you were not meant to carry. I want to lighten your load. So will you let me take this from you so you can have a lighter load? Yeah. So here's the thing, where is our heart's affection? If, if we look at our bank statements, we can find where our heart is at. So is, is, our, is your heart in the kingdom of God? Is your heart in, in Amazon? Is your heart in McDonald's or Chipotle or B-dubs? Is your heart in Wild Roast, Starbucks, Big B? Is your heart in your Jordans or Air Forces or other shoe collections? Listen, like, hear me right. I'm not here to bring condemnation here today. Like, that's not why I'm like saying or pointing out all of these things. But if it is easier to spend your extra money on any of those things that I have listed than it is to give toward the kingdom of God, we might have a problem. Like if I have extra funds and extra, like, right? I have extra funds, extra money in my life, foods that's not required for my daily living, right? And I have that money and it's easier for me. And I have this like knee jerk reaction to spend this money towards any one of those extraneous things. 
And it's easier for me to do that than it is to give toward the kingdom of God. What does that tell us about where our heart's affection is really at, right? And God is, we're all on a journey towards following the Lord. Maybe some of us in this room, we literally just got right with God, right? And so this isn't to say like, okay, every single one of your ever living dollars has to go to the church or has to go towards kingdom finances, right? But what I am asking and inviting us into is that we would grow our hearts toward the kingdom of God. And what does that look like? It actually looks like taking a step in giving toward the kingdom of God, right? One of the reasons why I carry such a big passion for biblical stewardship, for generous giving, and all of this thing is because I'm solely convinced. I'm like 100%, you can never change my mind. Get generous giving changes eternity. It changes others' eternity, and I believe it, it changes our eternity as well. So let's talk about how it changes others' eternity. I have a story here. This is from the, the late 18th century, and uh, this, this is a story of Lady, Lady Huntingdon and George Whitfield. So George Whitfield is a preacher and he travels all throughout England, all throughout Great Britain and actually the colonies of America, the first 13 colonies in America. And he was a traveling preacher and evangelist. Lady Huntington heard of how God was using him to spread revival across all, all over. And she decided that she was going to become his personal financer toward all of his ministry. And so she gave her money, liberally covered all his living expenses, covered all the trail, like the travel to all the different nations that he would go to, all of this different stuff. And it's estimated that at the end of George Whitfield's life, he had personally preached to over 10 million people by the end of his life. This is before there was any video recordings. This is before there was really amplified sound. This is before there was any social media, like to send anything. He face-to-face personally shared the gospel with over 10 million people. Lady Huntington's generosity had changed the entire landscape. Like 10 million people. That's crazy. Changed eternity. In today's um, estimates and in today's economy, it's estimated that Lady Huntington, over the, over the course of her life, gave away 100,000 euros. So 100,000 euros throughout the course of her life, okay? Now, a family of four at the time that she was alive, a family of four, a year's wage that would sustain a family of four was 31 euros. So an entire year's wages was 31 euros and she gave away 100,000. That's over 1,300 like years wages that she gave away over the course of her lifetime. If that were applied to today's like standard of living, that would equal to about $190 million that she gave away which is just crazy. That's just absolutely amazing. So how, that's how it changes others' eternities, but how can it change ours? How can it change our eternity? 
I'm gonna do a little pivot here and kind of give a little bit of an analogy. I've been reading through this book, which is called The Treasure Principle. It's written by Aunt Randy Alcorn. It's a very, very good book just on generous giving and on that, on that topic and how it impacts this world for eternity. But he gave this analogy inside the book and it really, really shook me to the core. And he said, there was a certain man who lived in Montana. And this man decided, you know what, Montana, it's pretty, you know, it's a beautiful country, but man, I really want to go to the beach. And so I'm going to travel with my family. I'm going to go down to Florida. And he goes down to Florida. And while he's in Florida, while he's in Florida, he books a hotel. Okay. So he's staying in, the, in this hotel, staying for two weeks with his family. Right. But this man, this man gets a knock on his door one morning, kind of wakes him up, goes to the front door. And it's this, it's this painting crew. He shows up at his door and he goes, Hey, hey, uh, so we're here. We're just kind of knocking on these hotel doors, seeing if any of the, the residents want to repaint the walls of their hotel room before they leave. And this guy from Montana is like, what the world? <laughs> repaint my hotel room? Like, what? That's great. No, thanks. I'm good. Shuts the door. Goes back to his family. All of a sudden, he's like, what the heck? Like, Dude, I'm on vacation. Where's all these? <laughs> Opens the door. It's a, it's a renovation company. And they go, hey, you know, we've just noticed throughout some of these hotel rooms, some of the kitchens are kind of outdated. We're wondering if you want to renovate your entire kitchen. If you want to remodel your kitchen, we'd love to do that for you. You know, you just pay some money, pay a small fee. We'll, we'll, you can finance it out. They're giving him this whole spiel. And this guy is like so confused. He's like, what? in the world would I renovate the kitchen of my hotel room? Like that makes no sense. And she, so he shuts the door, right? And at the end of that analogy, right? It seems silly. Why would anybody repaint the walls of a hotel room? They're going to stay in two weeks, right? Why would anybody renovate the kitchen of a hotel room? They're going to stay two weeks. And then he gives this analogy. He says, but how many of us today invest all of our money into this world, which is passing away in 70 or 80 years. Like we have 90, we have 90 to 100 years, if, if we're lucky, on this earth. We have 90 to 100 years and all of a sudden, build this huge house comes knocking on our door. Increase your standard of living, buy all these crazy, amazing toys and all of this different stuff. You got you to increase and get to the corporate ladder and you got to save and invest in retirement and all this different stuff. You got to retire well, all this. They all come knocking on our door and they're saying, would you like to increase your hotel room? Would you like to increase the value of your hotel room right now? What would be the better thing to do? The better thing would be, no thanks renovation company. I'm actually going to send the money back to my home in Montana because that's where I'm actually from. No thanks, painting company. I'm actually gonna reserve my money to my place in Montana because that's where I'm actually from. And I believe that God is raising up a people in this access community who would say maybe no thanks to the things that our friends have. No thanks to certain like luxuries and different things like that. Why? Because we recognize that this is not our home. We're just staying here for a little while, but our home is actually in heaven. Our home is actually an eternity and we can actually trans, we can transform these dollars, which 
are here today and are gonna be gone tomorrow. We can translate these transient dollars into eternal rewards that will follow us for eons and eons and eons. Like they will follow us for ages and ages and ages to come. We can transform our transient money into eternal rewards. How? Through generous giving. And this is what God means for us. God is not against us laying up treasure. He just tells us where we should lay it up. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, where the stock market crashes and you lose all your money, where you get fired from your job and you're not gonna have, you have no source of income later, you, where you spend money, you spend $15 on a burger that you eat in 10 minutes and then it's gone. He's saying, that's, don't invest your money into these. He's saying, invest it into the kingdom of God where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal, Right? And so we have just a few testimonies of just how God has been moving in and through this church. And then we're going to get into the specific giving initiative. Over the course, the first testimony, before I go there, the first testimony that we want to share is actually a testimony from Pakistan. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, maybe you've already seen this, but we wanted to show this video in our ministry just to celebrate what God is doing. So if you're not familiar, a few years ago, we had... The, as some of us know, the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan. And because the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan, the, the Taliban really started coming in and just, yeah, doing a lot of things that were just not right and not of the Lord and killing a lot of people. So there's a lot of refugees, the refugees that were trying to escape Afghanistan and, and escape into Pakistan. And our church actually entered in at that point. And we, through the giving of our people here at Res Life Church, we were able to save over 2,000 people out of imminent danger, and most of them would have lost their lives. And I could literally spend probably the next hour and a half telling you testimonies of like miraculous power of God, like coming in and saving these people on their flights. I'll just give you really one really quick. There was a group of people who were fleeing from um, Afghanistan to Pakistan. They were fleeing. We were helping them kind of get to, get to Pakistan. They were being chased by, um, by a group of people from the Afghani government, and they were seeking to end their lives. All of a sudden, there was, as they were fleeing, there was an earthquake, a spontaneous earthquake that happened, and boulders started rolling off the hillside, and it actually like crushed the people who were trying to kill the people who were leaving. And so it was just like, we were praying, interceding that night, like the night before all that happened, like members of our team were literally praying, God, send whatever you have, like send, do whatever you have to do to get these people into safety. And God totally intervened. So we'd been hearing so much of what God was doing in Pakistan, like people getting healed, blind eyes being opened, people being healed from cancer and just like all of this different stuff through the preaching and all of, all of these things that we had to send a team over there. And so our team went in late September over to Pakistan and they just had some wild open doors to them. Like doors that should not have been opened were just randomly open. And one of these open doors was actually to minister into a, a place of poverty in Pakistan, which is called a slum. So they were ministering in this slum. And while ministering there, these people like in the slum, they literally worshiped a monkey God. Like they, that was the thing they worshiped. 
And like they, our team walked in there and was just like looking around and they were like, what the world? This is so weird, like foreign, what is happening? Anyway, they preach the gospel and almost the entire slum gives their life to Jesus. And so, um, so we had an opportunity then afterward, um, this, the slum leader, there's, they're obviously in a poor part of Pakistan and getting just daily living needs covered is actually pretty tough in their, that area. And so, um, what they were doing, they had unfortunately resorted to actually s- selling members of their own community into like human trafficking in order to pay for like water and food and like daily necessities. But they had, their hearts had been so gripped by the gospel that they, they refused to sell each other and sell other people to in, in human trafficking anymore. They were saying, Jesus has completely transformed my life and I can't engage in this anymore. And so they were saying, yeah, so I'll leave it there. We actually have a video testimony to kind of fill in some of the gaps here and then I'll, I'll keep going after that, but we can show that video. These are the untouchable people. They don't receive any assistance, so they end up selling or trafficking their children, and then that's how they get their food and water. So when we got in there, we fed them, and then we preached the good news of Jesus Christ, and the vast majority of them accepted Jesus right there. And then uh, we had to leave. But then we got a very disturbing report. The town leader from the city, he had been trafficking their children in exchange for water. They said, we're not going to do that anymore because we serve Jesus now. And the guy said, well, since you serve Jesus, you better ask him for water because I'm not going to give you any water unless you give me your children. So when I heard this, I said, you know, how can you see your brother in need and not help him? So we paid to have a well put in. They now have clean water and they have clean water because we had funds available in our missions fund because you give. So we were able to help and we were able to act swiftly. And now 600 people have clean water and everybody is rejoicing. The well has a plaque and it's got the Res Life R on the plaque and it's written in Urdu and it says, John 4, 14, I am the water of life. And they say, thank you, Res Life, for bringing pure water to our slum. So thank you, Res Life, for being the hands and feet of Jesus in a little slum just east of Lahore, Pakistan. Isn't that so, that's just so amazing. We love that. The crazy thing. So the, the person, the person who came to them and was actually like buying certain like family members and certain members of the community into human trafficking, he was the one who told them, he was the one who told them like, hey, if you're not going to sell us your people, then we're not going to give you water. And he said to them, the chief leader, the sum leader, he goes, well, we're not selling our people. So that's that. And he said, well, then you better ask Jesus for water. And he turned away and walked away. So what we didn't know is actually a few weeks later, the main water line in Pakistan in one of the cities had broken and there was like a contamination. And so the government was actually withholding water from a lot of the main people in the city. And so that same guy, the same guy who told him, hey, you just asked Jesus for water then and turned away. That same guy 
actually returned to the slum leader and said, will you give us some of this water? And this slum leader, he, he, this is what he responded to them. He said, when we needed water, we came to you and you abused and mistreated our women and our children. But the God of heaven whom we serve has taught us to forgive. And so we forgive you. Bring your people. You may, eat, you may drink this water. Isn't that crazy? Come on, Lord, raise our faith. Whoa. Let me live free from offense like that. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. Like, why do I have a hard time forgiving them? Whoa. Hey, now. Come on. My, my whatever, family gets on my nerves. Like, why do I have a hard time giving? What? That makes no sense. Come on. The second testimony video that we have for today is actually concerning a project which is called the House of Hope. And this is the one that Access is kind of giving toward over the month of December. And so the House of Hope is a 20 room facility that we're building on campus here at Resurrection Left Church. And this is gonna house 20 girls who have been saved out of the sex trafficking industry right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The Manasseh Project estimates that there's over a thousand women, children, and men as well that are, that are trafficked and, and engaged in the sex trafficking industry at any given moment. So at any given moment, there's at least a thousand children, a thousand women, thousand young men, thousand people who are caught in the rhythm of prostitution and sex trafficking here in our own city. That is staggering. And we as a Res Life Church community, we said, listen, we can't do everything, like, but we refuse to do nothing. We have to do something for these girls. We have to do something. And so we're opening this facility. 10 rooms are gonna house um, 10 girls, or 10 rooms are for 10 girls who are 18 and older. And then 10 rooms are gonna be for girls who are 17 and younger. And so there's a similar house to the house that we're building in St. Louis, Missouri, and they've been operating already for a number of years. And so they have some testimonies that they sent over to us of just how they've seen the Lord move and remove shame from these girls and how these girls are actually living into their God-given identity. And so we have a testimony kind of about that from our friends in St. Louis. So when I first started working, we had the privilege of going and working and meeting with the girls that were currently living in the refuge home. This one time in particular, they were all bickering and the other volunteer and I are sitting there trying to kind of rein us in and we started talking about the things we have in common. And we talked about Jesus and the fact that we had Jesus's love for us in common and that Jesus had scars. And one of the gals said, you know, well, Jesus had scars. I know how we can bond together. Let's do a collage. And she said, let's do a collage of our scars. And before we know it, they're showing us bullet wounds and stab wounds. And I will never forget this sweet daughter said, no, let's not do it of our scars. Let's do it of our tags. And at that moment, I realized that the tattoos I saw on their necks were actually the brandings of the men who claimed they own them. And so we got on the phone and we started reaching out to every tattoo artist we could find. We just put a post on Facebook, really. And they were flooding in from across the United States. Tattoo artists said, we will do it. We'll come to St. Louis. We'll recover these tattoos. One girl in particular had a tattoo um, right here on the side of her neck.
back and it said the name of the person who was selling her. And every morning when she looked in that mirror at that refuge home, she had been reminded of the man who claimed ownership over her. And she got that tattoo recovered and it then said child of God. And so she went to being reminded that she's not owned by anyone, but she is the child of the King and she is the child of God. Come on. That messes with me a little bit. I don't know about you guys, but that's good. And this is what we get to be a part of as as an access community is giving unto this end, giving to see these girls who are in some of the most horrid circumstances that we could ever imagine, to see them saved from that, but not only saved from that, but saved into a living, breathing relationship with God. And to see them discipled and poured into and spoken life over, to see the identities, not of who owned them, but who actually bought their freedom, which was Jesus. And so we as an access community throughout the month of December, we're gonna be giving toward this end. And we have a goal that we feel like God has asked us to raise through this community alone. And so last year, we did a similar giving initiative and we were able to raise through this community over $36,000. How many of you guys were a part of that last year? Raise your hand, come on. So amazing, isn't that crazy? So this year we're setting the bar even higher and we feel like God is asking us to give $50,000 toward the construction of this house of hope, which is gonna be a part of the transformation of, of victims of sex trafficking for, for a long, long, long time. And so we actually wanted to give and give, make a really, really practical tonight. Um, we're gonna, God has asked us to really influence and be a part of this initiative in really two main ways. One is through generous giving. Like the, the, the things that we give, the offerings that we give even tonight could literally carry impact for eternity. Like, When we give, we're not just giving our money, we're actually giving our partnership, right? We're partnering with what God is doing in and through the house of hope. And so every dollar that we give is we're actually, we're saying, I'm joining you in this mission. And when we stand before God one day, this gets me. When we stand before God one day, we're gonna be met by perhaps hundreds perhaps maybe even thousands of girls who were in the sex trafficking industry in Grand Rapids. And they're gonna walk up to us and they're gonna say, thank you. Thank you for giving toward this end. Thank you for having a heart of compassion. Thank you for responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit because my life was saved because of the house of hope because I had a family and now my kids love Jesus because you gave to the house of hope. So we wanna give an opportunity for for us to to participate tonight. Tonight is not the only time that you're gonna be able to give toward the house of hope, but we wanna kick it off tonight by uh, offering, giving you an opportunity to give toward the House of Hope. And so we have a slide up here that delineates how to give. So you can scan that QR code or you can go to reslife.org slash give. And we're just gonna provide some time. Maybe if you could throw on just like like a pad um, underneath, but we're just gonna provide some time to give. And 
Throughout this time, I'm not pressuring you or telling you to give any specific amount. Every single dollar counts, right? But what I would encourage you to do is to give something that is significant to you. Give something that's a little bit stretching that pulls you out of your comfort zone. Give something that's gonna, that's gonna stretch you and stretch your faith and so that you can meet with God in a fresh and a new way through this. So I'm gonna step out of the way here. I'm gonna offer some time, pray, ask God, Lord, how can I be a part of this? And uh, we'll be back here, up here in just a few minutes. give just a few more minutes if you're finishing up. The other way that we get to partner with this initiative and partner in what God is doing through the House of Hope is actually to pray. And I think we don't fully realize how much our prayers actually change things on this earth. And so what we have decided, what we felt like God asked us to do tonight is actually to walk down to the house of hope and together and actually engage in a time of prayer instead of our community groups tonight. And so um, how that's gonna look like is basically in just a minute here, after uh, Sierra comes up with announcements, we're gonna stand up and Lizzie's gonna be in the back and um, we're, Lizzie's gonna lead us and we're all just gonna walk out there. As we're walking, feel free to even just start interceding over there. And then once we all get down to the House of Hope, this is just a really logistical, really important piece is we have to stay on the paved road. So you, when, you walk, when you walk down there, you'll kind of see what I mean. There's a whole construction site out there and the construction site has like loose nails and like board and different things like that. We just don't want anybody to get hurt, especially walking around in the dark out there. And so if you could just stay on the paved road, that would be super, super beneficial. Once we're down there, we'll kind of gather around and I'll uh, use my outdoor voice and get everyone's attention. And I'll be sharing some specific prayer points that we can all kind of engage in. Um, but we just really felt like God was leading us and guiding us into that. Let me just pray as some of us kind of gave in this room and even just um, pray over this initiative. Would you join me in praying? God, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for the opportunity to invest into your kingdom. Lord, we thank you, Father, Lord, for the number of girls, Lord, who are gonna get saved. 
Lord, for the lives that are gonna be transformed. Jesus, for the legacies that are gonna be absolutely changed. Man, I just can't get this picture out of my head of just, man, a young, you know, 15 to 16 year old girl right now who's caught in this ring of sex trafficking. She has no vision, no hope, doesn't even think that her life could be any different, Lord. And I thank you that that girl is gonna come, Jesus, and have her life transformed through this house of hope, Lord, and she's gonna live a completely different life than she thought she could ever live, a life that's with you. And she's gonna raise kids who only know your name, who only know the name Jesus. They're not gonna know that their mom was caught into this. Lord, they're not gonna know, Lord Jesus. They're only gonna know their mom is someone who loves and serves Jesus, who's married to a faithful man. Lord, I just, Lord, I'm just so thankful that I get to be a part of this. And we, as a community, are so thankful, Father, that we get to be a part of this, where we get to be partners in your work of stopping the sex trafficking ring here in Grand Rapids. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we refuse to turn a blind eye, Lord, to this problem that's facing our generation, Lord. We refuse. And while we can't do everything, Lord, we refuse to do nothing. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I honor you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.